0: Lauren Royal, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: It feels weird me welcoming you because we're here at your office here in St. Barts. Brittany, yeah. The office building. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally just two doors down is my office.
0: Now you are the youth minister here at St. Barts.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: How long have you been here?
1: Um, this is going to be going on to my second year this coming August. All right. Um, but I've been a youth minister for... A total of three years now. Okay. I was previously working in the Diocese of Dallas. Dallas? Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. So you didn't grow up here in Houston?
1: No, I didn't. I actually, funny story, grew up in Ohio in a small town where Mm. we only had like an Applebee's and a Burger King. And then when I was in sixth grade, so around 2008, we moved to Texas into the woodlands. And then in 2018, we moved to Dallas. And then I moved back here.
0: So how old were you when you moved to Texas?
1: I was 11. So you know that movie, Inside Out Uh with Riley? That was literally me. I went through everything (sighs) that girl went through. I was like, I can't watch that movie without crying because I'm like, girl, it's gonna be okay. You'll survive.
0: (laughs) So you miss the whole ice skating thing and everything as well? I
1: do. I Uh love the snow. My grandparents had a 12 acre Christmas tree farm. So like a lot of memories growing up are me and my cousins, you know, running up and down the rows of trees uh-huh. and like throwing mud at each other or catching salamanders in the little creek.
0: See, we're the opposite. You've got snow. For me, it's the beach because I grew up in Hawaii. That's and it's, so cool.
1: <laughs> I've always wanted to go to Hawaii.
0: Herm and I actually, Herm who, who works on the podcast, we both... uh We both grew up in Hawaii together. We both ended up here in Houston somehow. What brought your family to Houston?
1: My dad's job. Okay. Yeah. So he um, ended up getting like a promotion with a company. And so um, they found out that they're going to be needed to move to Texas. So we did. But I remember, it's so funny. I remember the exact day that they told us that we were moving to Texas. I was eating a bagel with strawberries and I didn't even believe him at first. I was like, you're joking, right, Dad? <laughs> like, this can't be happening. <laughs> and then my little sister, she caught on to it more than I did. Uh-huh. And she starts, like, freaking out. And oh. then, like, my dad gives us, like, little Texas uh, teddy bears that have, like, Texas on it. He's like, we're moving to Texas, guys. And we're all like... What in the world is happening? (laughs) It's too hot down there. (laughs) It was. I think that was the biggest culture shock was the weather. And because my birthday's in December, Mm -hmm. so I'm always used to having snow on my birthday.
0: So what was your faith life like growing up? Was your family historically Catholic?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in a cradle Catholic family. Mm -hmm. um, And my grandparents, so my grandpa was actually a seminarian. When he met my grandma, oh, wow, he was um, about to be a transitional deacon. Oh, that
0: close. Yeah. That and far he, into the process. Yeah. Wow.
1: And it was, so it was literally at the point of no return. Right. Uh-huh, and so yeah. then he, um, my grandma, she and her friends were frustrated that like no guys were asking them out. So she and her friends joined a traveling church choir uh-huh. and then um, they go to this parish where my grandpa's at. And he asks so funny because in mass he gets gets tunnel vision
0: uh-huh. and he
1: can only see my grandma the whole time during mass can only think about her the whole time during mass everything else was blurry And so was
0: he an altar server or something at the time
1: no he was about to become a deacon and like literally about to take that step so, uh, further into the priesthood but he was like I said he was startling like Lately having doubts, maybe like, maybe I'm not called to the priesthood. Uh Uh And then that's literally when he met. So
0: (laughs) when he saw your grandma in mass, so he was just a, he was just a parishioner. He was in the. He was
1: stressed as a seminarian. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cause he was, you know, serving in that way. And so then afterwards, this is the best part. He's still in his seminarian gear and he goes up (laughs) to my grandma and he's like, I'm gonna be getting out of the seminary and I was wondering if you'd wait for me so I could take you out on a date. And then my grandma's like, Yeah, sure. Let's do it and so then the rest is history. What did the priests
0: say? It's like, Hey, we
1: need priests. Here. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they're they're really cute. So I come from a really strong Catholic family that like shaped my values and morals a lot.
0: Was your family like really involved in parish life? Or it was it was mainly just, you know, um, going to Mass on Sundays and living the life out or was or or did your parents have any, you know, leadership roles in the
1: Yeah. Parish? So my mom, she was like the head decorator for the church back home in Ohio and so she would, you know, decorate the church for Christmas and Easter and, you know, be in charge of placing the flowers and doing all that. And then my dad, you know, would get heart attacks, you know, seeing her climb up on the ladder to, you know, <laughs> work on the crucifix, right? Like, you know, putting the cloth over for Good Friday. And, what parish was this? Um, This was um, Prince of Peace in um, Canton, Ohio.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then when you guys moved to the woodlands here in the Houston area, what parish did y'all go to? Yes.
1: Saint Anthony of Padua. Okay. Actually, yeah. No, that parish really formed me a lot. And it was crazy. So I was a competitive jump roper as well. Mm. And so really? my youth group would be literally, my, and our practices were three hours long. So I would go to jumper practice for three hours. I would do homework in the car on the way to youth group. And then we, my mom and I would go through Chick-fil-A. And then I would get dropped off at youth group. So like my mom never let me miss CCE.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Competitive jump roping. Yeah. Wow. How did you get into that?
1: Yeah. So I was in fourth grade and it was in fourth grade going into fifth grade. Like it was over the summer Uh and my mom wanted us to get involved in something. My sister chose karate camp. Okay. And I was like, my mom was the all-star athlete, right? Like she played volleyball in college, did track, you know, basketball, all the things. And I was like, you know, I don't want to have my parents coach me from the stand, so I'm gonna pick a sport that they knew nothing, nothing about. about. <laughs> and so I did just the week jump rope camp and then uh-huh. the coach was like, Hey, you're really good at this. You should think about trying out for our competitive team. Wow. And I was like, Okay, sure. So I tried out and I made it. That's cool. Yeah, it was And your
0: and you said your mom, she really made sure that that didn't take over your life
1: right exactly and it took oh, i will say though it did take over kind of like my identity in a sense because it people would think kind of like how your reaction was like oh my gosh that's so cool uh-huh. and so that's was what, what people knew me as uh-huh. and so like growing up i was like always just lauren the jump roper or lauren this and then when i ended up having to resign from jump rope Uh huh. It, it shook me a lot.
0: Oh yeah, because like, who am
1: I? Exactly. And so again- When was this? This was in my freshman year of high school. Okay. And so again, God's timing is perfect. So I literally just resigned from jump rope, my jump rope career, hung up my ropes. Uh-huh. And um, one of the friends I had at high school, she was the most popular girl ever. She was on varsity volleyball, getting a scholarship to Ohio State University. And she wanted to be friends with me. And I was like, this is so cool. She knew I was Catholic and she was also Catholic. And mm. her mom was my sixth grade faith formation teacher. Okay. So um, she's like, Hey, have you ever thought about like coming to youth group or coming to life teen? And I was like, no, I really haven't just cause I didn't know anyone. And I was kind of on the fence. Uh huh. And so I was like, okay, but she invited me. So I'm going to go. So I went and it my youth minister actually ended up giving a talk on identity.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And it was again, perfect timing. And literally like all the dots just connected for me. Like there's so much more, like I realized that there's so much more to life than just being identified by one thing, you know? Like, yes. and because you're identify as a child of God, all those other gifts and talents pour out of that identity. Mm-hmm. And like having that realization so young allowed me to have a lot more confidence in myself. So like I was very blessed that I didn't have to go through any really big insecurities in high school. Now in college, that was another story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool how that happened right after you Gave up jump roping. Yeah. Did you give up because of an injury or anything? Or?
1: Um. Partly an injury, but again, it was also partly of an identity crisis. Cause like I was at the point where I couldn't even focus on school. Oh. I wow. was focusing on just routines, making sure I nailed regional so I could get to nationals. Wow. Making sure I could be the best I could be mm-hmm. because I got affirmation in that, you know. Mm. And so there was um, another person on the team and she was the favorite. Everyone loved her. And I was I will say I was pretty close neck and neck with her when it came uh-huh. to like competition wise. And I beat her one time. And then it was just one of those things where again, they just wanted to beat me at everything else. Like it was like the point of like you're never going to beat me again. Uh-huh. And so it so because,
0: was it was like some sort of a, a you know, obsession with the rivalry yeah oh okay yeah
1: because i mean i i was fine being second but also after a while it took a toll on me Mm. and so i was like i don't want to be second anymore so i'm going to go to a place where i don't have to compete Mm, for attention or for you know to be the coach's favorite or to you know try to prove myself i can prove myself just by being my authentic self and that is good enough you Mm -hmm. know and again, very blessed to having realized that so young.
0: Yeah, and, and to to let go of that not knowing what was coming.
1: Exactly. You know,
0: I mean, there you knew there was going to be a void in your life. Yeah. And you let it go not knowing that hey, you know, something else is going to fill this place.
1: Yeah. So I did also partly have an injury. I did um so I have weak growth plates in my foot. So, um my growth plates in my foot were starting to hurt and it would oh, cause wow. me to not you know, compete the best I could. Yeah. And so, like I said, I mentioned, I was neck and neck with her pretty much. And, uh-huh. um, then the coach pretty much made her the favorite, you know? Uh-huh. And so again, I wasn't even favorite in terms of like my coach's eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, again, it took a lot. And then my mom was like, no, Lauren, this isn't good for you. You yeah. know, like you have to step back, because my mom was also catching on to it, too, that this wasn't the healthiest environment oh, so for me.
0: Physically and emotionally and mentally, mm-hmm. it was not the healthiest. Yeah.
1: And so then I got involved in youth ministry. And then that's really when like my life took off was because of that one talk my youth minister gave.
0: Until this point, you there was no inkling at all that you would be... Into youth ministry no, when you grow up? Not
1: at all. Nothing. I wanted to be a teacher, actually. Oh, so again, similar kind of field, but and then when I was thinking about the differences between, you know, youth ministry and teaching, the one thing that would hold me back when it came to teaching was because I'm a big changer. Like I like to, um, if something's wrong or there's an injustice, I like to fix it. Uh huh. And in teaching, you can't oh. you can't really do that. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> one of my big things holding me back from teaching was the standardized testing. Oh my! Because gosh. I did not want to have to teach to a test. Oh god! And I was one of those kids that um, I actually had a hard time in tests, and mm-hmm. I struggled with failure because. Oh. And luckily, my parents were so great. They're like Lauren, you know, you're worth more than just a number. And that if they could measure your heart, you know, you would pass with flying colors. And I remember just getting so frustrated and even thinking like, well, why can't they just look at my report card and see that I get good grades? Yeah. You know, because my anxiety when it came to testing was just so oh, high.
0: I can get on a whole soapbox about standardized testing because I'm a special ed teacher and I've had,
1: mm-hmm. I've
0: had sped kids in tears, you know, yeah, because was, of the test. Yeah. I cried.
1: And so, my sixth uh, grade teacher, she was like, you need, if you don't calm down, you're going to have to take the test in a different room by yourself. mm and mm. I was like, you're not helping the this situation. Is, yeah, <laughs> no,
0: they're—they're. They're, I mean, yeah. it's not appropriate for everyone, but, Yeah, but anyway, like I said, I'm gonna, I could get yeah, on a soapbox. No, <laughs> we,
1: I think we all could. And then again, like, you know, even just thinking back to that identity, right? Like, again, it's so hard to not identify with those things, but because of, you know, my background and, you know, eventually pushing through that, like I've had to push through a lot of trials in mm. my life and especially in 6th and 7th and 8th grade when we, you know, moved to Texas because the testing system in Ohio was totally different. Uh-huh. And so I actually f- Failed (laughs) the the, was it seventh grade or eighth grade? It was one of those two years Uh of the math star test, and I didn't just fail it once, mind you. I failed it twice.
0: This, well, this uh, at this point, if I'm getting the timeline correct, like all of this stuff's happening at the same time, yeah. Like you moving, you changing, like I mean, you know, you you also letting go of jump rope, Mm -hmm. all of that's happening all at the same time, yeah. So, this is huge changes. No wonder you can. You can, uh, you know, relate to Riley and inside yeah. out. Yeah. yeah
1: cause so, Big changes. Yeah. So I stopped, I officially stopped jump rope in my freshman year of high school, like in the middle of it. Uh-huh. And everything that happened was me like failing the star, star test. Because uh-huh. my class was the guinea pig. So I graduated in 2015. So there was a point where it was still called tax, but. Yeah. We were the transition year. And so that happened in eighth grade. So literally again, like years apart, years difference. hmm And it was but a way I would also work off steam was jump rope. So it was just like a point of no return. Uh And then I also so I failed the star test, like not just once, not just twice. Like I I failed it, I think, three times and then I got it right. The, uh-huh. the third time but you had
0: good grades
1: I did have good grades <laughs> so
0: it was really just the testing
1: yeah but wow. in thinking that trial again it allowed me to shape my day you know what nope this grade does not define me mm-hmm. this moment in time does not define me yeah, right like I test, had to yeah. I had to have that mindset in eighth yeah. grade because if I didn't I wouldn't have gotten through it and you know like luckily again my parents taught me how to persevere and mm-hmm. how to you know see God in everything and that's another crazy thing is that's when the verse Jeremiah 29:11 came into my life as well. Mm. So again, God's like really having his hand in mercy right now with me because have you ever seen the movie Soul Surfer with Bethany Hamilton?
0: I can't say I've seen the entire thing.
1: Okay. So, Carrie Underwood's the youth minister in the movie. Okay. And um Bethany Hamilton is played by Anna Sophia Robb, who's a great actress by the way. But she, in the movie, it's based off Bethany Hamilton's life story where she gets her arm bit yeah, off by the shark. By the shark, yeah. And so in the movie, Carrie Underwood, playing the youth minister, introduces the verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And I never heard it before. Uh-huh. And so, and it's, for I know the plans I have in mind for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, but not to harm you, but to give you a future full of hope. And so, and then in the movie, Carrie Underwood has a picture of like a pecan on this On the screen you know on the little projector and it was really up close and she's like no one can tell what this is right and they're like no what is this and then she zoomed out Uh and then they're like oh it's a like a pecan or a walnut and she's like exactly right you have to get the right perspective Mm. and so that's when she tied in the verse that i was like that makes so much sense so and then i don't know why god just like started stirring in my heart he's like actually pick up your Bible and read this and read it over and over and over and over again until you memorize it. And then my parents will tell you that I came down the stairs different that next morning Oh wow! because of just how much I really wanted to be loved, seen and heard. And I wasn't getting that Uh from anyone else besides my parents and the few friends I did have. And I was like, you know, I want something more. And so reading that verse over and over again, letting that sink into my heart Mm -hmm. was so helpful.
0: That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So when did you start getting the inklings that, oh, I could do this as yeah. a career,
1: yeah. become
0: a youth minister yeah. like so, for the rest of my life? Maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was actually also part of the verse. So I was like thinking about, again, the differences between teaching and youth ministry. And I was like, you know what? I want to help teens realize what I realized. Uh-huh. I want to help teens, not necessarily with the academic sense, but more with the emotional intelligence sense, you know? And that my teacher in high school, her name was Miss Rap. She's awesome. Shout out to you, Miss Rap. Um, she had that same mindset where it's like, you you can have the best IQ in the world. But if you don't have a good EQ and mm-hmm. how you relate to people, how you talk to people, how you make people feel, uh-huh, then you're you're kind of stuck. Yeah. You know, and so helping teens realize their emotional intelligence and helping them grow, I found so much more fruitful.
0: When did you come upon this realization? Were you already in college or?
1: Yeah, so um, I wanted, my dad, <laughs> sorry, dad. He um, was like, I well, you know, maybe not do youth ministry because at the time youth ministry didn't really get insurance. And mm. so like my dad's like, you know, the big protector oh, yeah. and love him to pieces. And he's like, maybe think about something else. But I was in Sam Houston, so I did a year and a half of community college. Okay. And then I did two years at Sam Houston University. And at Sam Houston University, I was maybe about 18 or 18, 19 at the time. And I was going through a lot, like a lot, a lot. I was taking five classes, working and volunteering 40 hours a week. Oh, wow. And on top of that, getting bullied as well. And so I was like... Just really praying. I was like, God, like, what's the purpose in this? I need peace and I need, you know, just something new to happen. And so I was like, okay, God, what do I need? And he's like, you need peace. And I was like, well, where am I most at peace at? And then he, God was like doing theology, being with teens, doing youth ministry, because I also volunteered at St. Anthony's as well. Where
0: did you get uh, bullied? in, in at college? college. Oh,
1: wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, uh, told I was too happy and how too happy. How can someone be so happy despite what's going on?
0: And they bullied you cause you're too happy.
1: Pretty much. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. I just
1: like, I have a different outlook than most, you know, teens and young adults my uh-huh. age. And especially at that time. Cause I always like, I'm a big fan of the big picture. Uh-huh. And everyone's just focused on the little picture. Like, okay, gotta get my degree. And I'm like, well, what about after your degree? What about, you know, this and, you know, marriage and all that stuff. And they're all like, what? And then I'm (laughs) always like, I'm always the fun, the one to find the bright side in things Uh and it's to prove my point, me and my mom were driving to North Carolina and you know, the drive wasn't going as expected. Like it was taking longer and then it was raining and then I was like, well, Mom, at least we're not driving through a tornado. She's like, Warren, if you say one more positive thing, <laughs> you're getting outside this car. It's like, okay. But I've just I've always had the outlook and sometimes people don't understand it.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. But
1: again, that outlook came from Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven because I found it because I also struggle with depression. So I mm. I've really found it very fruitful, like I'm going to be happy because I'd rather be happy than sad. Yeah. yeah. You know?
0: If you don't want to talk about it, but uh, it's okay. But what kind of things did they do to you?
1: It was morally just like backhanded things. Like it Mm. wasn't anything physical. It wasn't, it was more just, you know, verbal and like rumors spread and.
0: Oh, that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Nothing
1: like on a scale of one to 10, it was probably like a three in terms of severity. Yeah. But like, you know, those wounds still hurt.
0: Oh, yeah. But it
1: wasn't anything super bad.
0: Yeah, I, Yeah. those things. Yeah. They, yeah. Especially at that age.
1: Yeah. Or talking behind yeah. your back. Like that was a common one that mm. happened to me. And they would always just say things like, oh, you know, learn this and that, and it would just, they would just spread rumors and things say things that weren't true. And
0: did that happen throughout college? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh.
1: well, I was at Sam Houston at least, but then, so when I got the call, you know, to youth ministry and to pursue things, my dad was like, um, Lauren, I understand why you need to leave. And I wanted to go to Franciscan because I'm originally from Ohio and I still have family up there.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And so I was like, okay. And my dad told me, he's like, we can't really make Franciscan work financially right uh-huh. now. And I was like, okay. But then he's like, don't worry, I'm gonna figure it out. And I was like, okay. And when my dad tells you he's going to figure it out, he's going to figure it out. He's one of those types of guys. Uh-huh. And so he found um, University of Dallas. Um, and then I applied and I like was looking at you know the stats and the scores of you know people's SATs. And my SATs were not as near as um, what most people's were who went there. Uh-huh. So I was like, Lord, if you want me to go here, you're going to have to sprinkle some, you know, Holy spirit dust and make this application look really good. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so not only did I get in, I got a scholarship as well. And so it was there even in the midst of like my theology classes where I was able to make sense of the bullying, make sense of Mm -hmm. like, and I say bullying and making it sound really severe as Uh i mentioned it wasn't that severe It was more again just people being immature and talking behind back yeah Uh Yeah. so university of dallas was so good because it again it actually made i feel like my degree worth it because i'm like i'm actually getting something like said, i'm a fan of the big picture not something i'm just going to use for my career but something i'm going to use for the rest of my Uh life and then i actually had to make a choice between past because my original plan was to do theology with a concentration or kind of like a minor
0: uh-huh. in
1: pastoral ministry and the people at University of Dallas were like well if you do this plan you're gonna have to be in school for another like three-ish years uh-huh. three or four-ish years and I was like oh no because most people <laughs> in my life were graduating because I graduated high school in 2015 yeah and so I did a year so I was already three years into undergrad at this point like I was literally about to graduate with, you know, being Uh ready to be a teacher. And then that's when everything came crashing down when I couldn't take the backhanded comments anymore. And I just, Uh and so I then got to UD and I was like thinking about, okay, what am I going to use? Not just for myself, but what am I going to use for the rest of my life? And especially since I knew I wanted to go into youth ministry at that point, Uh because you know, I wanted peace and that's where I'm most at peace at I was like, okay, we're just gonna do a theology degree. So we'll just get our bachelor's in theology uh-huh. and call it that. Cause I was going through a bit of a depression, seasonal depression at that point, seeing everyone my age graduate.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever at any point think about, you know, religious life?
1: I did actually. So I did the St. Trez of Lisieux Novena.
0: Okay.
1: And um, I was praying hard and I was like, God, what do you want? my life to look like and i was like okay a red rose to confirm and affirm my you know vocation to marriage and then a pink rose to maybe start discerning their religious life and this is the oh my gosh i love this story so i was it was october 1st right like her feast day Uh and so i'm coming out of the adoration chapel at like 1 a.m And I see a little tiny Mary statue that's holding one rose. And I was like, I've never seen that statue before. There's Mm -hmm. only one rose in there. Maybe this is the rose for me. And because I hadn't gotten anything all day. Okay. And so I shined my phone light on it and it was maroon. And I was like, (laughs) are you kidding me? This does not help my situation here.
0: Of all the color roses, it's maroon. I know. Right. And
1: then... This, so the coolest part is is then like two days later, so on Mean Girls Day, October 3rd, um, I saw near that same spot, a bright red bouquet of mm. 12 stem red roses. So it was, so then I got affirmed that way. But prior to that novena, I also did like really think about it and pray about it. And I mean, people in my life have told me like, oh, you'd be such like a sweet nun, uh-huh. and all that stuff. And I heard it so much that I started to take it as an insult.
0: Oh, you're like,
1: But I was like, you know, thinking about, I was like, thank you, like, that's a really good compliment that you see so much virtue uh-huh. in me. And like, no offense to my family, but they didn't, I was just like, my parents are very faithful, but in their mind, like if someone has a such religious, you know, and they just love religious things and like love going to mass and actually have a really deep personal relationship with the Lord. They're in their mind, that means, oh, religious life. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean, oh, this person can be married.
0: I, I don't think it's just your I think a lot of families think that yeah. way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. And I was, yeah. So I had to, you know, overcome that mm-hmm. perspective. You know which couple has really helped me? St. John Amola and Pietro. Mm. um i'm really rooting for his canonization so all you listeners out there you know keep pray for pietro's canonization because he's an awesome dude and like they both just love the lord so much and just reading have you ever read the journey of our love it's the love letters no between the two no oh my gosh it makes me cry every oh, wow. time because i was like here's to a couple that truly embrace my the vocation to marriage, uh-huh. right? Like they both love the Lord individually and then they love the Lord together and the way they love the Lord brought them together.
0: That's awesome. Like
1: it's so beautiful. And so the story with this book is even cooler. So um, Gianna passed away, right? And so at her canonization, all these reporters are hounding Pietro being like, we want your letters to go with Gianna's because mm. they use Gianna's letters to Pietro to verify that she lived like a good, holy uh-huh. moral life. And so they're like, we want to publish your letters. We want to make this book. And you know, being the good, humble man that he was, he was like, eh, "What? Well, I'm gonna pray about it, and I'll think about it, and uh-huh. I'll get back with you." Yeah. So he kind of brushed them off. And then he looks to his kids because he there was four kids they had. And so he looks to his kids. And he's like, "Don't publish this book. Don't let them do this until I'm dead. Like, don't uh-huh. publish my letters." <laughs> and then he passed away in like
0: 2010.
1: Uh-huh. And then um, in 2013, the book came out.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So it's a really cool book. It's like the best 15 bucks you'll spend on Amazon.
0: (laughs) Totally check it out. Yes. Now, so you look at this direction, so you're no longer considering, you know, any type of religious life. Correct, Is the door still open in any way for that? Yeah,
1: yeah. I would say I've always felt discernment, like, as soon as, how do I want to say this? It's almost... Like for me, I have, I have a direction I want to go, and I know God wants me to go in this direction. But until God tells me otherwise, mm. you know, then yeah. then I'll switch. Yeah, does that kind of make stay sense? Stay the
0: course right now. Yeah, we're staying okay. the course yeah. for marriage
1: until God's like, okay, <laughs> you know what? Now you're changing to this. Yeah, if that happens. Mm-hmm. But so does that kind of so that like both a, doors sense. Yeah. open a little bit. But I think, and even talking to like teens about discernment, it's definitely hard because a lot of them, you know, like you're saying, a lot of families do have that mindset, right? Like if you have a really deep personal relationship with the Lord and you like going to mass and, you know, you read scripture all the time, like that means, oh, you're going to be a religious person when that's not necessarily the case, right? Like there's beautiful, holy people out there that love the Lord and who obviously can be saints. Like you can be married and be a saint, right?
0: (laughs) So how did you find your... Way into, so after after college, you said you were in another youth ministry job before here at St. Yeah.
1: Mark's. So I was at a parish in the Diocese of Dallas. It was in a little town um, called Corsicana. And so it was a good, it was a good time there too, so.
0: So you were there for a year? I said? was,
1: I was there for a year. Um, other stuff happened in my personal life that just like had to, you know, get me from pulling back I got very just overwhelmed and very just you know stress but also there was just a lot of um not to you know shame anything but there was definitely just like a lot of politics okay going on and it happens
0: in some places it
1: does happen yeah. and I'm just I, I don't play that I'm always I have the mindset of I always keep my personal wishes out of everything I do. And especially when it comes to the people who I serve, Mm -hmm. right? So if I want to take the teens to, you know, a retreat and I have a, be this way, I'm always like, okay, is this just my desire or is this what God wants for them? Mm -hmm. And so those, those answers always have to mesh up. And like, so regardless of what I want, I always put the teens need first and I can separate it. Right. Like, and I think that's important to do in ministries. You have to be able to separate your own agenda and your own personal wishes and your own personal preferences from those who you're serving.
0: How did you end up uh, here in St. bart's Yeah.
1: So, okay. UD saves us again. So I went, um, once I knew I was resigning from that other parish, I went to university of Dallas, you know, just walking around cause I was there cause I had a doctor's appointment in Dallas. And so I was like, I'm just going to walk around UD. And then I was like, Hmm, maybe I should go up to the campus student center. You know, I'm, but then I was also like doubting. I was like, maybe I don't want to go up there cause I know I'll just talk forever and I want to get home. Uh-huh. And, but I was like, you know what? No, Lauren, just go. You'll regret it if you don't. Uh-huh. And so I went up there and I was talking to the campus minister at UD and, um, a couple other people up there and they're like, Give us your name, and we'll, you know, throw throw your name in the hat if anybody asks us. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay. And so I, um, I threw my name, and I gave them, you know, my email, and then I ended up getting an email from St. Bart's. Oh wow! Yeah, and then so I emailed back, and I was like, "How's it going?"
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I like, you know, sent them my cover letter, my resume, and then now we're here. But yeah, if, I always think about like, if I hadn't gone back up to- the, Yeah, to, if,
0: if you didn't walk into that office.
1: Yeah, it's so crazy. Those little like butterfly connections because yeah. they were also the ones that helped me realize that you know that particular parish just wasn't the parish for me. Mm-hmm. And so again, if it wasn't for them, I probably you know would have been in a lot worse mental state because youth ministry does take a big toll on you. But, and they were able to help me like, you know, see that maybe like, This just isn't the right fit for you. Not that the parish is bad, not that anything is bad. It's just not the right fit for you. And so I remember when I told my teens that I was leaving, I told them, I was like, y'all have to think of me and anyone else who's in this position as like Nanny McPhee, right? Like when you need Mm me and do not want me, then I have to stay. But when you want me and no longer need me, then I have to go. And so like the teens at that particular parish were just craving passion, craving joy. And so they started standing like statues. They didn't move. They didn't know how to act. They didn't know how to socialize with each other. And then we ended up throwing cupcakes at each other. Like we ended up having cupcake wars, like on our last day. And so I was like, guys, look at what we just did. There's no other way to explain this except the joy of the Lord. Right. And so they're like, yeah and they were like all on fire and so you would think that we would end really sad and that a bunch of teens would be crying but we ended up really happy on a good note and I think it was really good for them as well because like I said I gave them all I could give them they needed me while they needed me and I think that's a healthy mindset to have in any job yeah right because you just never know
0: yeah you're meant to be there for that certain amount of time yeah Yeah. so here at St. Bart's It's been uh, almost two years now. How's how's it been going?
1: I love it. St. Farce is awesome. Everyone is so sweet. We got such a great family here, great community here as well. And I really just love, you know, the environment, right? Like I'm always, you'll find youth ministers focus on something, either it's like curriculum or theology. Like they'll, they'll have that one particular focus. Uh And for me, that's been hospitality. like i just love creating a welcoming inviting environment where teens and even adults like my core members can feel like they're growing in their faith and can feel welcome and invited and that's the feeling i got here where i was you know like i really i like it here so (laughs) i i packed my dog and my cat up and we just came
0: Now, we had your predecessor here on the show a while back, um, Brienne.
1: Love Brienne. She's
0: fantastic. Pretty big shoes to fill coming in after her, huh? Yeah,
1: yeah. It it has been pretty big shoes to (laughs) fill, but I think I have her blessing, and I know she's been praying for me, and... Um, no, she's a really sweet person too.
0: We've been, uh, trying to get her, uh, on the show to just talk about the, the missions that she's been on. Cause she's, she's, you know, been around the world yeah. and, uh, we, we didn't have time during her interview to do it. So we were yeah. like, oh yeah,
1: we yeah. gotta just sit
0: down and talk about your missions and your experiences. Yeah. So. yeah. But she's, you know, she's got two kids and uh, she's trying yeah. to, uh, trying to juggle all that.
1: Talk about embracing the mom <laughs> life. I love it. Yeah, she she
0: said somewhat similar to what you said you know trying to trying to find your space because now she's like shifting into how Mm -hmm. am i going to love the lord as a mom yeah you know yeah yeah so that that, that's pretty cool it's
1: and speaking of missions i love missions like i went to i had the opportunity to go to haiti Mm. whenever i was um 17 and 18. i went the summer of 2015 and then i went the summer of 2016. how was that it was so cool. Oh what my did you God. do over there? <laughs> Let's see. I actually use power tools, which I'm normally not allowed to use because <laughs> my dad's like, "Warren, just don't mess with it because I'm very clumsy. So he doesn't want me to get hurt. But um, so I helped build a bench. I helped build soccer goals. I worked a lot on the mission base. We did a lot of um, person-to-person ministry where we would go bring people food. Mm-hmm. And then we did um, prison ministry one year. Oh, wow. And that, I think, touched me the most, surprisingly. Really? So a Haitian prison, you'll find people in there are in prison for the most just minor things, right? Like a chick taking a chicken off the side of the road that someone else claims is their chicken just so that way they can feed their family. Wow. And so they'll and then you'll also find people who have been in prison for like three years, three plus years and have still not seen a trial. Wow. And so also the prisons there are really, really small. So we walk in there and it's an eight by eight cell with uh-huh. 40 men stacked in like sardines in an eight oh by eight cell. Gosh. So literally people just stacked on top of each other and it's wow. hot. And um, this is the best part of the story. We actually got kicked out of prison because we made them too happy. So I added. You uh,
0: made the prisoners too happy and you got kicked out.
1: Yeah. We did.
0: They're like, we can't have these prisoners enjoying themselves and being happy with their lives.
1: (laughs) Right. We were just singing praise and worship songs. And granted, they were singing it in Creole, and I was you know, doing my best I could to follow it along.
0: So they could be cramped into this small room, hot and sweaty, stacked on top of each other, but no, they can't
1: can't be singing
0: praise and worship songs. Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
1: And one of the coolest (laughs) things... Um, was outside, I think it was outside the prison or maybe it was near the orphanage. They had a little shop of stuff the prisoners had made so that way they can, you know, like use that money to buy uh-huh. toothpaste and stuff like that. Okay. And so I bought a cross that someone made out of bubble gum wrappers. Wow. It was. It's really cool.
0: Uh, just wow.
1: Yeah. And so it's like, you. It was, it was just so eye-opening to A, see how the joy of the world can really make people uh-huh. happy and can change any circumstance but then on the flip side it was also like super crazy to see how many people don't want to see the joy of the lord mm. because you've got in haiti the religious breakdown is kind of different you have the main denomination is um catholic um voodoo and protestantism like those are the three main things okay and um so there actually talk about a mary story so there was this 13 year old girl she was 13 at the time and she her parents were voodoo priests so if you don't know about voodoo it's like really spiritual warfare type stuff right like type of stuff where it's like pretty much witchcraft okay and so she was getting spells put on her every single day
0: okay and
1: she went she would go to her bedroom after her parents would do that to her She's like, you know, I just want Jesus. So she's every single day we were there. She would sneak out of her bedroom window and come to the life team mission base. And she would come to holy hour and mass with us. But because she had, you know, those spells on her, Uh she would manifest every single time. Right. Like seizing, foaming at the mouth. Oh, wow. And screaming. Yeah. And so the way we would deliver temporarily deliver her uh-huh. was we would start saying the rosary and saying Hail Mary's. And I'm not kidding you. Like each decade we did, like every decade we finished, she got calmer and calmer and calmer until she finally rested in the presence of the Lord. And like, she like raised up all little bit, Like she raised up her shoulders uh-huh. and like her body. And then she just like, huh, And just rested.
0: You're giving me goosebumps here. Yeah. Seriously. Wow. Yeah. And so to-
1: Mary showed up big time
0: that's wow
1: yeah and so she came out of it and she was like she wasn't she was crying a little bit but she was like i don't want anyone to think anything bad of me i just love jesus so much and like she felt bad for like interrupting mass and holy hour oh wow she was like i just want jesus and she came back the next day she's like i don't did her parents
0: ever find out
1: i don't know i know because like in haiti like punishment's like a real thing so Uh I, I don't know if her parents ever found out, but
0: Wow. How it, long were you there?
1: I was there for a week.
0: All of that within a week.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. That was yeah, that was the first week I went there. And then when I went back the following year. Okay. Um, I did some different type stuff. So I didn't do prison ministry that year, but I did we went to an orphanage. That was tough. That mm. was really tough. Cause I'm like, I just want to take all you Third kids world home. Third world orphanage. Yeah. yeah. That's like a... I just want to take all you kids home and give you fried chicken and pasta and yeah, feed yeah, y'all. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was tough to see. And then you would, but you look at those kids' faces, you would never know. Really? Yeah. Just cause they were so happy and so just genuinely themselves and so like authentic. Mm-hmm. They didn't care. And then. Cause they didn't
0: know anything else. They, yeah. Yeah. They don't
1: know anything else. And then there was, we were doing home ministry and there was this six year old, six year old little boy, his speaking of discernment, his name was Talons, And um, he was like, I'm going to be a priest. I was like, at six, he knew he wanted to be a priest. <laughs> and I, my Bible at the time had pictures in it. And so I like showed him, he's like, and I was like, who is that? And he was like, mama Mary. And then I was like, who's that? He's like, Jesus. And then I was like, who's that? And then he was like, St. Joseph. And like, so he knew a lot mm-hmm. and i was like this sweet six-year-old little boy who's sitting on my lap wearing my sunglasses wants to be a priest <laughs> like, <laughs> That's it, awesome, and it's just so cool to see how the gospel changed people like yeah. that you know and not even just people there was also dogs as well that were affected by like dogs just, yeah just by like the joy of the gospel so this pregnant or she was pregnant but this mom dog you know came up to me and you know Another, there's just a culture difference. So Haitians don't really like dogs. They'll throw rocks at them. Okay. Because it's just, they're afraid of them. Okay. And so, again, one of the things the mission base does is it changes, you know, culture and promotes like even, not just evangelization, but just also like culture being like dogs aren't actually all mean, you mm-hmm. know, like somewhat of that education. And so this mom dog comes up to me on the mission base and uh, she, I give her a little bit of my breakfast bar or whatever. And she then like motions, it was the weirdest thing. She motions me over to this sewer garbage thing. And I look inside and there's a litter of puppies and they were covered in fleas and they were sleeping in dirt. And I was like, this isn't right. And so I gave the Holy Spirit like was crazy. I brought two bath towels, like two shower towels, uh-huh. and you'd think you'd only need one. I don't know why I packed two, uh-huh. but so I took my shower towel, one of my shower towels, and I then went, and I was also the only one small enough to fit in this sewer thing. So I crawl into the sewer and I like, you know, lift all the puppies off the dirt, wipe off their fleas, and I put them on the towel. Wow. Yeah. And then I went over, <laughs> I'm such an animal lover, it's crazy. So then I went over to like, you know, the local priest on the mission base. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey father, do you know that there's all these like, you know, baby puppies, can you just bless them for me? <laughs> so I had the, I asked the priest to bless uh-huh. these baby puppies that they would be okay. Uh-huh. And then when, I, so then when I went back the following year, um, cause that happened the first year I was there. So the following year I came back, I got to see those puppies all grown up.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, but who knows what would happen to them if you, you know. I know. Yeah.
1: Had the priest plus them in a oh, garbage disposal. Yeah. <laughs> it was like I don't even know if it was a garbage disposal. It was like a sewer type thing. It was or, really, you win. know,
0: if you didn't clean them up at least, like, yeah, get some of those fleas off. Yeah, yeah, uh, some die of disease or something like that. Yeah. Wow, wow. I, so, did <laughs> you go to these, you know, these missions as part of the parish? Or I did. So part it of was. Your work?
1: It was one of the young adult uh, missions that we okay. had, and it's actually something I would like to do here. Um, so, so was it
0: your old? Uh, mm-hmm, it was okay.
1: at St. Anthony of Padua. Okay. And so it was open to all teens who graduated high school, mm-hmm. and uh, so like it was. I think it was like eighteen to thirty. Okay. And so. Oh, that'd
0: be awesome if you could do something here. I know. I St. was Mark. thinking about it. But the youth here are gearing up to for World Youth Day.
1: So that's oh, the yeah. young adults. That's so, the young.
0: Oh, the, oh, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, the young are adults going are going to World Youth Day, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but the teens and I were going to AYC for sure. So, mm. shout out to the Archdiocese. Thank you for on AYC. <laughs> um, and we just
0: had um, uh, Jeanette on the I show.
1: I love Jeanette. <laughs> She's yeah, she, so sweet. She,
0: she told her story and she talked a little bit about AYC as well, yeah.
1: Yeah, so we're doing AYC and then we have another retreat coming up in August for sure.
0: That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It must be so rewarding just, you know, serving our youth because it's the future of our church.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. You actually just hit. Oh, I love it. So (laughs) a lot of people think that the youth are the future of the church. Uh And I'm always like, "Eh, no, the youth aren't the future of the church. They are the church. You
0: know what? Jeanette just told me that too.
1: They have...
0: I just don't want to feel old.
1: <laughs> I feel the same way. I'm just as old as Blue's Clues. And I'm like, how am I just as old as Blue's Clues? But um, so it's like, and I told, so it was literally, I remember it was, it was my first night with my sixth through eighth graders. And I told them, I was like, everyone thinks you guys are the future of the church. And no offense to those people. Those people are great. But you guys are the church. And you have needs here and now mm. that need to be tended to, that yeah. need to be, you know, yeah. tended to, and, you know, fed and, you know, taken care of and invested in. And, but I was like, look, you also, you guys also have to now stand up, right? Because this, if this is your church now, not in the future, that means you guys also have to step up.
0: Mm, and take some responsibility exactly, for ownership. Yeah, Exactly.
1: Like this is your faith now. This is not your parents' faith now. Mm. And a lot of teens wait till confirmation to get that mindset. But if I can help them get that mindset now, in like, you know, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, then I'm all I'm all down for it. But, because it's, a lot of teens have the mindset of, well, how can I get confirmed? And, you know, they a lot of people don't understand the faith life as a journey,
0: mm. right? Yeah. And like- They oh, just look at the milestones and- Yeah,
1: yeah. and then like a lot of people also, I'm, I'm a big fan of the 12 inches. So it's 12 inches from your head to your heart. And so you can know Jesus loves you, right? But mm-hmm. have you actually felt Jesus's love? Have you actually encountered Jesus? Have you actually you know, stopped to be silent, to see what he wants from you, to see what he has on your heart? And a lot of people will say no, because a lot of people just know facts. And that's why I personally think, cause I wrote my thesis on evangelization. And that's why I think a lot of people are falling away from the Catholic church is because of the lack of the 12 inches in the lack of the communication, right? Like a lot of it is all in their head, right? Like they they'll see the Eucharist and be like, oh, is that just a symbol? Like, there's no way that can really be Jesus when in reality, no, that's actually Jesus. The same Jesus mm-hmm. that died, you know, the two yeah. two three thousand years ago, that's the same Jesus right there. And, You know, once the teens realize that and their light bulb moment comes on, that's the best feeling in the world. Like all the sleepless weekends, all the, you know, work is worth it because of just that one moment. And even if it's just one moment, right? Like I don't have to have a whole bunch of teens get light bulb moments at once. If just one teen gets something out of what I say, I'm like on cloud nine. And so I actually had one teen tell me that this used to feel like meetings where we were forced to come, but Uh now it feels more like a friend group.
0: That's awesome. And
1: I was, that meant so much to me because that's exactly what I want. Because those friendships forms, not just friendships, but accountability and allows you to, you know, seek God through friendships and to have true authentic Christ centered friendships is something that can never be replaced.
0: Looking at, you know, your story and your experiences and now you're, work and your experiences with the youth, what would you say to uh, somebody who was like a middle schooler who's trying to find themselves, who's kind of a little lost, what would you say to them?
1: I would say, take a deep breath, don't worry and don't overthink it, and just open your heart and open your mind to see what the Lord has for you, right? Like take that step and be like, Lord, what do you want from me? Who am I to you? please reveal that to me. Cause I'm struggling right now. Right? Like just that honesty and prayer, I think is something really, really humbling and really moving that the Lord just loves, right? Like you, you give the Lord a crack, he'll blow the door wide open. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've seen that happen time and time again, and it's just taking that little bit of initiative to say, Lord, what do you want from me? Or even if it's just, Lord, I don't even know if you exist. I don't know if you exist. I don't know if you, know if you love me, but I'm here. And that's all I've got. And then the Lord's like, great, I'll use that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he wants yeah. us to come as we are and he wants us to be who we are. Right? Like we don't have any expectations when it comes to God. Like we don't have to fight to earn his love. And that's something that really, that mindset really struck with me. Cause you were mentioning like, you know, friends or we were talking about friends and, you know, like being in middle school and finding yourself And my, I thought my, the people on my jump rope team, I thought they were my friends. And it's not like they are bad people, but they just didn't, they saw me purely for the competition, mm, Okay. right? And yeah. so I never really experienced true friendship until I joined youth group. And that's something that makes a difference because if you have people who are like-minded and people you can be real with and people who will be real back with you, then that's a total game changer.
0: Talking to a parent who has a child who's lost like that. What would you say to the parent?
1: I would say, invite them into conversation, Um, pray, and also give the teen and yourself grace, know that because your teen is going through this doesn't make you a failure as a parent, doesn't make you a bad person. Doesn't make you a bad Catholic, right? Like we all thinking about it. We all go through seasons of doubt. We all go through seasons of, you know, self-discovery. And being able to give yourself grace in that, but also, again, act on it, right? Like, to actually talk to your team, like, hey, like, how was your day today? Like, sit down together as a family for dinner. No one does that anymore. Like, sit down and have dinner together and just be like, what was the best part of your day and what was the worst part of your day, you know? And that was something my parents always did with me growing up. Like, we would not be allowed to leave the table (laughs) unless we (laughs) said what was our favorite part of the day and then what was our worst favorite part, worst part of the day. And so I I would recommend that just inviting God into your conversation, have good conversations and also be open with your teen as well about like, Hey, I struggle through this too. You know, like help them to see you not as like your best, their best friend, right? But help them to see you as human, as someone who they can come to, to feel comfortable with. You know?
0: Thank you so much for all the work that you do with the youth. <laughs> here at uh, St. Bart's and we wish you the best of luck as you know, in the, in the coming uh, months and years and uh, hopefully you can get one of those missions going here. That would be awesome. That would
1: be really cool. That would be really cool.
0: Thank you again. And uh, for having us and for being on the show.
1: (laughs) No, thank you for having me. This feels so cool and surreal. Pretty much. I've always, you know, Wanted to be on one and share my story like this. So this is awesome.
0: What What did you say earlier when you were sitting down? No, you're, you're, you're official now.
1: <laughs> yes, I feel official now. I feel cool. I feel like I've made it. God bless you. Oh, thank you, you too.